Get Cody's trade alerts and all of his latest positions on the Trading with Cody app for iPhone and Android and on tradingwithcody.com. Let's run through some headlines. Let's run through some stock picks. Today is Wednesday, October 24th. You are listening to Cody Underground, the podcast. You're watching me on Periscope, or you're watching me on Scudify Live. Let's start off with gold today. Gold was up 1.5% to uh, three-month high, uh, three highs, uh, even longer. Let's see. Let's look at a six-month chart there. Um, yeah, I guess it's three-month high. Gold was high, actually higher six months ago than it is right now, but... This is the highest that gold's been in three months. I, as you guys were listening to the podcast, or uh, if you're a subscriber to Trading with Cody, know I was buying the gold miner ETF, the GDX, uh, bought call options back when gold was hated, uh, when it was down near its lows at about 1,070, 1,080 uh, back in July. Well, the GDX is up big since then. Uh, we've got a triple on our call options, and I'm still holding most of them. Well, I don't know about most of them. I've sold some down, but I'm still holding some of my GDX call options. I haven't sold any recently, um, and I might uh, here soon at gold 1200. I think gold might be actually range bound. Uh, the 1200 being the top for the near term, 1100 being the bottom for the near term. Looking out over my lifetime. I think gold goes to five or 10,000 at some point over the next 30 or 40 years, but that has nothing to do with the next 30 to 40 days. Uh, the next 30, 40 days, I just I think there's a lot of uh, newfound gold bugs and a lot of uh, people that uh, feel smart uh, having uh, finally getting a reprieve of feeling stupid for owning gold. And, you know, get a top indicator just off of sentiment alone, a sentiment being a contrarian indicator often. And when people are getting more bullish on gold or on stock market, uh, it's often time to see the reverse. Anyway, uh, I'm still holding my gold options for now, my gold miners. Remind you, remember though, gold miners, like oil companies, like a lot of energy companies, have too much debt. I've done some research on those gold miners that make up the GDX. The GDX ETF holds a bunch of different gold miner stocks. Now, the gold miner stocks, the companies themselves often have billions or tens of billions of dollars in debt and very little cash to offset that debt. And it's a gold mining. If you ever watch Gold Rush, you know it is a capital-intensive business. you got to spend a lot of money on oil, gasoline, equipment, employees, and uh, mining for gold takes a lot of work. It's very capital intensive. Well, uh, capital means you need money. Capital intensive businesses need cash. And if you've already borrowed a lot of money when interest rates are really low and you don't have much cash and your commodity is not where it was, you know, gold was at 1800 1900 a couple years ago. And at $1,200 a barrel, those gold miners aren't making a lot of money. At $1,100 a barrel, probably most gold miners are losing money, and they need to make serious money to pay for all that capital-intensive labor and uh, pay for all of the, you know, mining costs that go into mining gold. 
So $1,200 of gold is uh, the bare lowest that gold mining stocks actually make money. So I'm not interested in owning a lot of gold mining stocks long term. Uh, I don't know if there's even one I found yet. As a matter of fact, I know there isn't one that I have found yet that I would want to own long term. That's why I bought calls on the GDX, and that's uh, I've been writing sort of just, a again, a, a contrarian play. Everybody hated gold when it was at 1000 1100 uh, in July, and uh, it was down in a straight line. So I started buying some call options in the gold miners. I also bought some SLV call options at that point. And again, I would never want to own a, a uh, precious metal ETF for the long term. SLV is a silver ETF, and I might own it for a little while, own some call options on it for a little while when it's as a contrarian play. But I don't want to invest in any kind of uh, gold miner ETF or precious metal ETF, GLD or SLV or any of those anytime soon, ever, actually. Um, I do own physical gold. I bought gold when it was lower than 1200 uh, When it was closer to 1000 I was buying gold coins and gold bullion, still holding it. I've owned gold coins uh, for many years, actually, going back below even 1000 but I was buying more recently, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, when it was at $1,000. Um, anyway, Let's hit the next headline here. Um, I got a question, actually, from one of my subscribers at Trading with Cody. And if you go to tradingwithcody.com, you can sign up and get all of my trade alerts. Anytime I'm going to buy and sell a stock or an ETF or call option in GDX or anything like that. You can also see a list of all my latest positions at Trading with Cody. But people were asking me, why am I so bullish? You know, I, I've gotten more bullish as stocks, uh, you know, when, when the market was hitting those August lows, I was buying stocks. I've continued to scale into more stocks in the last month. Anybody listening to Cody Underground podcast or reading my stuff knows that. I wish I'd been even more bullish because stocks are up 10% from their bottoms back in August. But, uh, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. You always feel like an idiot when you're running money, even your own money, because uh, you could have owned more, you could have made more money, you should have lost less money. You could outperform the market. You should outperformed it more. Anyway, guys, why am I so bullish? As the question says, look, you got Fed interest rate hikes coming. China's market is collapsing, supposedly. Oil prices have crashed. Strong U.S. dollar, all of which he says are important to many in the market, and they haven't changed very much. Well, let's reiterate. Let's rebut each one of those points. I think we've been hearing about a Fed hike nonstop for months, for years now, frankly. And frankly, I don't believe that, A, it matters that much if the Federal Reserve moves rates from 0% to 0.25% or 0.5% or even 1%. 1% interest rates still causes bubble-blowing bull markets. It still forces savers and retirees to find higher-risk assets like stocks, like uh, startups, investing in a startup. Um if you could get 5 or 6% return on a CD, you'd probably just put it in a checking account, put it in a savings account, buy a CD with their money. But at 0% interest rates or 0.25 or 0.5% interest rates, it's still sort of too low. Nobody wants, nobody's holding their breath for an extra 0.25% rate. So I'm not too worried about the rate hike per se impacting the bubble-blowing bull market dynamic that I've been investing for for the last five years since we came out of the 2009 crisis. And furthermore, if you look back in history, as we've talked about also on Cody Underground and the podcast before, you always want to fight the Fed. The Fed is often is always late. When they start raising rates, 
markets are probably still going to have so much fundamentals behind them, and the bubble-blowing bull market dynamics are probably still going to be chased, and chased at that point, and you end up wanting to own stocks when the Federal Reserve first starts raising rates in anyway. You look back from, say, uh, 96 to 99, the Fed was raising rates. Well, markets were going up. Uh, from uh, 2002 to 2007, the Fed was raising rates. Markets were going up. From 2000 to 2002, the Fed was cutting rates and markets crashed. So Fed is almost always wrong. You always want to fight the Fed, as I've long said. So I'm not the Federal Reserve, perhaps it's bullish uh, for them to be raising rates at some point. Uh, China, look, no matter what happens to the U.S. economy or the global economy, barring some wild black swan geopolitical crisis or something uh, of 9-11-like uh, impact, um, China's going to have millions of new consumers. The consumer class in China is growing by millions of people per year. You've got a billion people plus over there. It doesn't take much for a few million to move into the middle class as long as there's some sort of underlying economy and uh, rule of law. And I'm no China bull long term. I, I'm not a fan of the communist uh, party or the quasi-capitalist, quasi-single party communist party in China. But millions of Chinese citizenry will become middle class citizens this year up from poverty levels, and they're going to be buying smartphones. And so, yeah, I think China's also bullish overall uh, for the U.S. stocks and the U.S. corporate earnings. Finally, oil and energy prices, when they drop, that's great for the consumer. It's great for the Chinese consumer. It's great for the Chinese economy. It's great for the U.S. economy. It's great for Google. It's great for American Airlines. I, I'm not investing in energy stocks, so I couldn't care less if energy continues to drop. In fact, I do care because I want it to, to drop. I want corporate earnings to be even better. I want consumers at home to feel even richer. Um, oil prices dropping, probably a bullish thing. Strong U.S. dollar? Well, a strong U.S. dollar means that what I get paid in for my trading with Cody subscribers or with my dividends that people pay or at Whole Foods or one of my SanDisk or some of my other stocks. These guys, um, I love these questions. Uh, Someone talking about a CEO dunking. I'll get back to your questions in a minute. But the stronger U.S. dollar means that I'm richer. The more valuable that what I'm getting paid in, the better for me. If you're borrowing money, maybe you want the currency to be devalued. But look, you're earning paychecks, you at home. You want your paycheck to be as valuable as possible. A strong U.S. dollar means that your paycheck is more valuable. And that also, good for the consumer, good for most corporations. Multinationals that are exporting a bunch of stuff, well, yeah, it's not great for them. I don't care. I'm not owning a bunch of multinationals that are dependent on a weak dollar. I want to find companies that are growing and revolutionizing the world anyway, weak dollar or not. And I want them to make as much money in dollars as possible. And I want as strong a dollar as possible. So those are all bullish things rather than bearish, if you think about it. Flip it. Flip it on its head. It's not what you think it is. So meanwhile, I throw out there, stocks are actually down 30 to 50% across the board, which 
is also bullish in my mind. I'd rather buy stocks at a discount than at all-time highs. I was selling and trimming stocks when they were at their all-time highs six months ago, all throughout this year, earlier in the year. Now I'm buying more stocks. Stocks are down, and there's a lot of factors that are still very bullish. Um, another, so UBNT, uh, CEO Dunks, and Bill Gurley says they're the most disruptive company he has seen. Let me just look up UBNT while we're sitting here then. Um, oh, Ubiquity Networks. Oh, yeah, I've looked at that in the past. I haven't looked at it recently, and stocks sure done well, huh? Um, just about 10% below its all-time highs. Uh, I'll take a look at it afresh. Um, let's just do it right quick. I'll teach you guys how I look at a quick balance sheet here. So the uh, company has about $500 million cash. Uh, it's got... $80 million debt, so I like that. Net cash, uh, about $400 million. Um, analyst estimates this year, we're looking for ubiquity. Uh, $2 in earnings, growing growing 10% next year to $222. Uh, current year revenue, top line 6% growth. Next year, it's supposed to accelerate to 11%. I'd like to see faster growth, frankly, on a company like this. Uh, it's trading at 17 times earnings, and actually, if you X out the cash per share, it's uh, about $4 per share. Uh, your PE is, uh, uh, you know, your forward PE is about 13 or 14. Uh, any comment on why the financial media is always trying to bash Apple? I don't think that's true. I think you find a lot of bullish articles on Apple out there. Uh, certainly, I think anybody who hasn't ridden the Apple wave like I have for the last 12 years, I mean, I've had huge gains and built my reputation and portfolio much on Apple's back since I first bought it at about dollar per share split adjusted uh, cost basis um, 12 years ago. And I think most people that don't own it have not owner's remorse. Uh, you've heard of buyer's remorse. Well, this is not buying remorse. And a lot of the financial media really wishes that they were um, in Apple. So when you see a lot of bashing of Apple, eh, you might wonder if the guy writing it or talking about it is actually uh, just regretful that he hadn't uh, ever been in it. Nonetheless, Apple uh, is so cheap right now. Ten times next year's earnings, X cash, um, Buying stocks back, borrowing money at zero percent rates—I hate that. As, as a, uh, hold on, got a music coming on there. Uh, buying stock back with borrowed money—well, you know that's what I've talked about before. The zero percent interest rates from the Federal Reserve are best for corporate earnings, best for companies like Apple to play financial engineering, reduce the number of shares outstanding, and uh, borrow money at below market rates. It's good while you can. Great while it lasts. I don't know if in five or ten years they'll be happy that they allowed that to happen. Uh, here's another headline that I wanted to mention. Senators Bernie Sanders and Elijah Cummings are investigating sudden hikes in the costs of older medicines. There's uh, some medicines in the last few weeks that um, you've probably seen some headlines about. This uh, one company jacked prices for the pill from $13 each to $750 each. Why were they able to do that? Well, because these guys are lobbying the companies themselves. The biotech companies are lobbying the government, which the government is sent to, setting the prices for those biotech products. And 
I'm bearish on biotech in general because I don't think 90% gross margins at Biogen and Gilead are sustainable over the long term. I think they're going to have the government have to come back in and set those prices lower and cut into some of those profits. I don't know if it'll be in the next few months or not, but seeing Bernie Sanders and Elijah Cummings, both of whom I've interviewed on my show at Fox in the past, and I, you know, I'm not a Republican or Democrat, not not a fan of any Republican or Democrat politician, but those guys have some power. And if they're looking at your pricing and investigating, well, it's probably going to come back and haunt you. I think biotech is in trouble. I think profitability at biotech's in trouble, and I think uh, most of those huge market cap. I mean, you've got biotech companies worth sixty billion, eighty billion, hundred billion dollars. I think those companies are going to see multiples contract dramatically as earnings come down and growth rates come down because they're not going to be able to um, profiteer off of the taxpayer with these pri- outrageous prices anymore. Another headline: In-app Facebook retail could be huge for a Facebook stock. You know. From Apple to Visa, Google Wallet, Facebook maybe, there are so many companies out there that are, Amazon too, getting into the payment processing business. And I sure wouldn't uh, think that Facebook itself is, uh, I mean, I do think Facebook itself will be another big competitor. PayPal, I think, is in trouble because of all that competition out there. But I wouldn't uh, count any of those new ones out. I think PayPal, the old one, it's in trouble. Square itself, run by Jack Dorsey, probably also in a good opportunity for them to grow. Facebook, let's face it, guys, it's still the best-run app company on the planet. You remember when Yahoo paid a billion dollars for Tumblr about the same time that Facebook bought Instagram for a billion dollars? Well, Tumblr has done nothing but destroy value for Yahoo and its shareholders, Instagram just passed its 400 millionth user and is worth at least tens of billions of dollars right now under the Facebook umbrella. That's an incredible acquisition that uh, Mark Zuckerberg did, and that's why you stick with Mark Zuckerberg. The guy has done that not just once, but he's done it with WhatsApp. He's done it with uh, Instagram. He's brilliant in not just managing his own company, but also finding and dominating the social network sphere. Instagram's bigger than Twitter now. Several tens of millions of more people are on Instagram than on Twitter, and that wasn't the case a year ago. Twitter was much bigger than Instagram. I think I'll wrap it up there for now, guys. That's uh, Cody Underground Podcast. That's Cody Willard on Periscope. Find me on Scudify Live. Get all my trades on tradingwithcody.com. Thanks for tuning in. Peace till next time. release and believe that it'll all be okay, trust me. Because they got the same old thing on the block. And I got the acid rock. You kidding, you be giving it up. And keep on giving while I'm living it up. Myself, I'ma take from the poor and give to the rich. And double high deep, I dig every ditch. And then be good in the game like Joplin until I'm Violated or quit, and I'll be living it up. You keep on living while you giving it up. And about the way he living Take a hit, make a hit, keep a tunnel vision Sign a deal with the fans, go to music prison Who believe you a 
Get a clue, yo, do I blew your mind from Q, you to Soho, Cody Willow, New Mexico, Lobo, Muddy Souls, get around like hobos, yeah, we be tearing it up, and you gon' get it, how you giving it up, why you giving it up, living while you living it up. See, I thought I was rich, till I got rich, and found out how rich, rich can get. Okay.